What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's Schmodown backstage. We're here. It's Tuesday. We took a week off, but we're back. We have plenty of things to talk about. Obviously, a huge, action-packed live event that we haven't gotten to break down fully, but we will be talking to you guys about today. We're in tournament season. There's so many tournaments, so many matches going on, and a lot of things to predict. Uh, we are not so far from the Schmodown Spectacular, which obviously is uh, is the biggest event of the year for us, and there are, there's going to be some pretty huge stuff going on there. So I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about that today. I will not be able to do it alone. I will be bringing on, of course, the co-host of this show, the other Ben. Today I'm the lead host. Yesterday you yeah. were the lead host. Uh, had my I had my time in the sun. Now it's back to reality. It was wonderful. It was a lot of, did you enjoy it? It was great. It was yeah. really great. You know, telling you how <laughs> wrong you were about movie opinions. It was awesome. It was always fun. You were particularly argumentative, I feel. And I I, I understand why. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Me? No, never, never, ever. So yes, we welcome the show, Ben Goddard. We of course have behind the scenes, our man, Dwayne Burke. Dwayne, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm excellent. New York was fantastic some of the matches it was. In the past week have been some of the best we've had all year yeah you guys both got to be there i unfortunately as now has been revealed through other uh, avenues was kind of un unable to attend new york at the time it wasn't even an unable situation it was like self-preservation but things just yeah. unfortunately got worse very quickly so uh i wasn't there but i got to, to to see it watch the live stream hear all kinds of stories and, uh, you know, it looked like it was a pretty incredible event. So we're going to be breaking down all of that. Spoilers in case, for whatever reason, you guys have not caught up on the matches in the last week and specifically that New York event. We'll be talking about all of that today, breaking down some of the matches from the last week and talking a little bit about this team's tournament. Uh, I got I got a match coming up pretty soon here in this team's tournament. Dan and I are look, I'm going to just put it out there. We can start the show this way. But everybody has said very clearly, if you guys don't win the title, Danger Zone's a disappointment. I get it. I understand it. I can't really say they're wrong, right? Which means every single match we have could potentially be the last match we ever play together. Because I have no idea what next year is going to look like. It's been very, Christian has made it very clear. He is completely retooling things next year, mm -hmm. blowing everything up, smaller roster, different storylines. Factions won't play as big of a part. Dan and I have both spoken. We have no idea as far as our ability to say as a team next year. So every time we play now, it could be the last time we ever play as a team. And we were so excited you know, about uh, Danger Zone, about this team forming at the beginning of the season. We had very high hopes. It even started really well, you know, going 3-0, and winning that tournament. It kind of seemed like at the beginning of the year, this was this was meant to be. It was the team that everybody thought it was going to be. And then we lost two in a row. So here we are. Uh, this team's tournament puts a lot of pressure on us. And uh, there's a lot of great teams in this tournament. Are you feeling any FOMO, Goddard, not be, being in a team's tournament? I am. I understand why we put, you know, Alonzo and Mark in there. They're both two very capable players and me and Paul had two shots to make it happen and we didn't. But yeah, of course, like, you know, my season ended two months ago. Uh, so I've got FOMO for everything. Like I wanted to be in the inner geekdom tournament. Uh, I wanted to be in the singles tournament. I wanted to be in the team's tournament, but you know, there's other people in the faction. So I understand why. You know, it's really funny when it comes to Schmodown as a competitor. I feel like this happens to everybody, no matter how frustrated you get as a competitor when you're losing, because, you know, we all lose. Uh, mm. You get on a losing run, you lose a couple of in a row, you lose some close matches. You'll convince yourself like, ah, this is not even, it's not even a fair game. It's, you know, it's random. I have no control. I don't want to do this again. Two weeks, three weeks pass. You watch some matches happen. You play along. And immediately you're like, oh, you know what? I could do this. I could win. I, I want one more shot. I want to be back in this thing. And I feel like there is no Schmodown competitor ever in history who has not had that exact same thing happen to them. It's like you just you forget. You forget that horrible feeling of helplessness that comes with losing matches. And then you just yeah. want to throw yourself back in the fire, you know? Yeah, it's uh, FOMO means fear of missing out, Bibs, uh, in the chat. Uh, fear of missing out. Um, and it's tough because like you, you know, we do put so many hours into this game and then, you know, just like the wheel spin doesn't go your way or the five pointer is just like something you just simply haven't seen. And that's what costs you the entire game. And it's really frustrating, but you know, we keep going back to it, uh, because it's fun and we are good at it. Certainly. And if you put in the work, as we all do now in the faction system, uh, then you end up, you know, feeling like you've put in all this effort and, you, and you're, you know, you're, you're strong, your muscles are in, in shape, you want to be able to go in and flex them and show off and yeah, it sucks to, uh, you know, to not be there. So watching the New York live live streamed event, I definitely got that sensation of man, 
I haven't played in a proper major Schmodown live event in a long time. And I really, really miss that. I want to do that. So first off, let's start there. Anybody who's watching the show today has questions, Streamlabs, Super Chats. Get them in today for, for myself and Ben Goddard. We're going to be talking about that, other upcoming matches. Uh, also, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch that or any of the pay-per-views, go to patreon.com slash Schmodown. It's the best way to support the show. It truly is. The $10 tier gets you everything early uh, and you get all kinds of cool extra free perks if you do that. Um, always introducing new stuff. But uh, just being there, when, it, when, you, when you had the competitors walking out and everybody's cheering, Take me through that moment for a second, man. What was that like being back there after almost two years? It was pretty crazy. And I think, you know, the Cantina matches were like a good kind of warm up. That way we didn't go to, you know, zero to 60 right away. Uh, and I'm glad like the crew got to do, you know, like collision and uh, Cantina to be like, okay, this is how we set it up, all this stuff and work together. And they did it so well. I got to give a huge shout out to the crew. A lot of them, uh, a few of them were locals. Uh, you know, I know Dwayne and Courtney and Paul, who was our one of our cameramen were out there like ran so smooth i'm sure it, you know it was you know uh that spongebob meme where everything was on fire in the background but from like this is my first time like as a, at a live event that i wasn't part of the crew so like just being an audience member i was like wow this is going really really well uh i mean even the the part where christian was about to introduce people i think someone got in his ear and was like promos 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 so <laughs> so it was like and even that like it you know, he had to, oh, but first a promo. And then right away, it was ready to go. Uh, but man, seeing uh, Griffey Nooms and Josh Horowitz walk out, like you, you heard the crowd behind them. And then you saw, like, even though they're team, they're faction mates and they're both on corruption, you saw the difference between like how hard, like people like Chance, like he's a great player, but man, the crowd was so pro Marisol. It yeah. was just like, it almost blew the doors off the place. It was awesome. She's a megastar, man. And I got to say, Christian's Christian's instinct about players is it, it's he just doesn't miss. It's got to be one of the things that's the most incredible and impressive. Now, on some level, he is the puppet master and he's obviously directing traffic. So when he yeah. thinks someone is going to be a superstar, there's a certain amount of like him hoping and, and creating the, the situation and the opportunity for them to be a superstar. But that being said, you can push anybody he wants over the years. If you don't win, you don't win. That's just how yeah. it works. We've seen plenty of people get pushes over the years and not win. And if you don't win, it's very hard to cement that status. She took the opportunity given to her. She won. And I think what's really incredible about what Marisol has now done after beating Irwin and now beating Chance live for her two title matches to be a small live event and then a large live event to play with the kind of confidence that she does, the, the kind of she just plays with ease. I mean, you can never really anoint somebody into like a top five, top 10 status player so fast. You kind of have to give it some time. You know, it's the same thing everybody tried to do with Collins, but it's very difficult to watch Marisol's career right now and not feel like she's already vying. She's already vying for like a legendary spot. Like she could lose every match from here on out and you would still have to put her in that rarefied air. Yeah. Just like, especially that every match of hers was was either stream yards or in front of a crowd. Like she's never had like a regular studio match like the rest of us have. And it's so impressive that the first live event back where people are just chomping at the bit to see her, to see Mark, to see Christian, to see everybody. We're finally back in form with, you know, half the den showed up just be like, you know, we're out, well, let's go. And it was so much fun. Everybody was so ready for it. And so was she. That That's the person that was most ready for it was Marisol. And it was, it's so impressive to see someone just like, just tuck and roll and like get up and start sprinting out of all of this. And it's, it's crazy to see. And I think, I think we might have to start talking about top five. If she went, if she defends it spectacular, we might have to, because well, definitely, like, I mean, a double, double defense is something that very few people ever have done. Levine yeah. did it. You know, he defended twice when he got that title. And I think it's one of the reasons that for such a long time, Levine was in that top two, top three yeah. conversation. I, that's all it really took. I think the fact that she's done it the way she's done it, you're, you're absolutely correct. She definitely enters the conversation. I think there's a recency bias that you sort of have to yeah. give when it comes to any new player. I mean, I can speak from personal experience, obviously, during the, the time I won and then the, sh the time shortly thereafter, the perception of me as a player then versus now is drastically different. And that's only based on the fact that I just didn't win another title. Like I didn't defend it or win another. Played well, won a lot of matches, just didn't win another title. And so you slide very far if you do that. And I think that's why I used Adam Collins as the best example, where it's you look at one of the most incredible, impressive runs we've ever seen from any player in the history of Schmodown. And you look at what he's done this year, 
and it's been a little up and down. It's been a little bit of a rocky year this year for him so far. I yeah. think it, you know, and, and so you always wonder every player that wins is eventually going to lose uh, how badly they're going to lose. How long until they win again is always the question. And you have to just tip your hat and give credit to that player while it's happening. And I think Marisol's handling it about as well as anybody ever has. Uh, I'm very impressed by it. I'm also just impressed by her gameplay. That's probably the thing with Marisol yeah. that I'm, I am the most like, I don't even want to say perplexed. I think I just want to say maybe I wasn't expecting somebody who didn't seem like a natural performer to be able to navigate these live situations so well. She seems so prepared. She plays very well. She's good in the speed round. She's good in all the rounds. She, she really takes her time. There's so many little moments in these matches. When she got that three-pointer to win against Irwin, she really took her time to think through the Oz, the great and powerful question. You know, it's like, there's two options with that question, right? It's like, they, I think they say Oscar nominated actress plays and they give the name and she repeats the question and she doesn't fall victim. I want to say there's two different options in that movie. I think it's like, maybe it's like Anne Hathaway and Michelle Williams or something like that. I think it's Rachel Weiss is the other option. Maybe it's Rachel Weiss. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but my point is like, there's definitely a swerve on that question yeah. that you could see her take her time, count through it, make sure she was going to give the right answer and get it. And stuff like that, that I think, you watch players with nerves sometimes maybe fall victim in those moments. And I haven't really seen her do that. You know, she's really been pretty poised. Yeah. And I mean, I think all the excuses of like her quote unquote easy path, I think are gone. I think they were, they should have been gone when she beat Ethan in a five round match in her first ever live event. But now they're especially gone beating one of the possibly the best three division player we have in the league. I mean, I think it's a pretty safe bet just because, you know, we haven't seen Dan playing inner geekdom yet. And chance has literally won a tournament for it. Um, but chance, like he it's um, it's like, he was so close to becoming possibly the greatest Schmodown player, like with this title win. And I think he'll be back. You know, it's not like, you know, he's retiring or anything. The kid's 24. It's insane how, what his knowledge is at that young age, but he didn't play bad. He just had a few missteps and the wheel didn't go his way, but it happens. Like he didn't play terrible. Like, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does next year because he was, he was great. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of the gameplay and the match, you know, we can, we don't have to spend the whole episode breaking down beat by beat because it's a couple weeks old now, but I do think there's a couple things to point out with uh, both the Griffey Nooms match against Horowitz and this yeah. one, you know, chance played well. They go seven in round one. They both miss a very difficult, very difficult question in round one. Yes. I mean, a, that question that Ritter, that, a question that is meant to, that would break almost everybody's perfect round. Like that is what it's meant to do. When I was watching it, I literally, I was with someone else and I was watching it and I went, so the answer is not Billy Bob Thornton, but I don't know what it is. And because I don't know yeah. what it is, I'm just going to have to answer Billy Bob Thornton and hope that it's a double it's like tricking me to be tricked but it's not of course it's not that's there's no way that that's what this is because it's too obvious and so you know i'm sure there are some players in the league uh that would have gotten it you know i'm sure probably players probably players like lawn or people who are maybe of a certain age or i know like lawn worked in a video store you know bibiani feels like the kind of player maybe it feels like yeah. that type of movie maybe maybe they go that extra mile to get it but it's a really tough pull to know that's john you know who got it saul (laughs) saul i don't know like he just like ran over to me he's like it's john ritter what okay and like i i hate i hate it like i love saul to death it was so fun hanging out with him all weekend but he was like oh it's a famous flop i'm like that doesn't make a movie that makes it the opposite of famous is that it flopped like i hate that argument that like it's famous because it flopped i hate it i hate it i hate it but it was pretty funny that Saul got that question. Yeah. Talk to me about all the people that like to reference lines from cutthroat Island, you know, right. I don't think we're exactly, I think we're <laughs> exactly in that camp. So uh, they both go seven. They play well. I think most great players would get seven. It's what they do. Round two, uh, you know, Marisol goes seven out of eight in street. I was a little surprised actually at the fact that she did go seven of eight. I mean, whatever it's one point, but I did think that the multiple choice on Chris Cooper was, I was a little shocked. It's a movie that is so recent that unless she hadn't seen it, which I'm sure she has, it's just the fact that it slips through like that in a, in a category that you put on the wheel that obviously she's an expert in that she was in the exhibition match for. Mm-hmm. I just was playing along with her. And at that point in the game, I was like, Oh, that's pretty wild. I would have had one more point than her here. Right. Like that's not really how it's supposed to go. If you put a slice on the wheel, but it ends up not really mattering. The bigger thing though, aside from one point there is what happens to chance in round two. And this is really, 
I've talked about it on another show, but I think this is a really, really interesting part of the game to break down in the analytical sense. So he spins away from Paul Newman. Now, Newman's not necessarily a narrow slice because he's got a huge career. He dates back to the 50s, and his last film that he made is like before, it's almost before Chance was born. So every single movie that Paul Newman has ever made, just about other than Cars, maybe Road to Perdition, Chance has to go back and watch and research. He has no memory yeah. of trailers. He has no memory of any frame of reference. And that's a tough sell because the guy has a lot of movies. So I can understand that, but it's also risky because you know there are broad slices that they can just throw stuff at you that if you don't know, you and don't there's, know. This is a 14 slice wheel too. Which is so asinine. I don't know how that happens. I mean, I do know how that happens because the way it works is Christian's there and they have a 14 slice wheel and he doesn't want spin again on the wheel. We went through this last year. Yeah, in 2020. He just doesn't want it because it's bad television, which I get. Changes the percentages, obviously, of how you play the game, knowing yeah. what you put on the wheel, but whatever. It's an equal change in percentage. It just means that what you prepare for is not what you actually get on the wheel. Doesn't totally end up mattering. Chance spins away, ends up on spoof movies. He struggles. He struggles in the spoof movies category. And you could watch his, you could watch like the sort of math being done each time they would ask the question as he had to accept he just didn't know. And I actually think it's a deceptive category because spoof movies are relevant to exactly the generation they're made for. Yep. Number one, because they spoof a film from that generation. So to even get the joke, you have to have seen the thing at the spoofing. But number two, because they're almost always extremely lowbrow. So like if you are somebody like Chance who has watched tons of classics and is extremely knowledgeable, you don't really go back and research spoof movies from previous generations because you wouldn't get the jokes and who the who's telling you to go watch bad spoof movies from their era? I mean, I personally love Spy Hard. It's one of my favorite movies from the 90s. I adore that movie. You and I are the same age, just about. Like, I yeah. remember it coming out. Spy Hard's great. So is Top Secret. Like, they're all, they're all good movies, but it's like, it's definitely a tough category to even study because, like, do I have to go watch all the Friedberg and, Friedberg and Seltzer movies? Like, all the date movie and epic movie and all, like, the Rise of Meet the Spartans. Like, all those well, terrible, terrible movies. That and all the, the theatrically re released. And that's the, I mean, you're making exactly the point, which is for that generation, probably for maybe Chance's generation, like, those 2006, 2007 spoof movies are probably the ones that were coming out when he was a little kid. So he yeah. remembers them. Like, those are the spoof movies of his era. But you go back even just 10 years to Spy Hard and it's like, that's real work that he has to do to know that it's Weird Al. And so I think it's a really tough category because you don't have any real learned behavior with those movies unless you've chosen to go watch them. I mean, how many movies from Mafia, like movies like that, that I remember yeah. trailers for as a kid, but why would anybody watch Mafia today? Like even Nobody the movies would. that it's, yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I think he gets caught there with his pants down a little bit and I could see it. I felt bad for him because I think, you know, I would just imagine any slice, he feels like he'd at least be proficient, but it really starts to fall apart there. They get into the betting round, you know, they both do well. Uh, speed round, it's about even, you know, he, he holds his own, but so, so does she. And this is a cat, this, I think that was a round that most people expected Chance might do a little better. But the main thing about that one is that she had a six point lead going into the speed round and then she got a five point lead. So that was, that was huge. Now, granted, you don't want to be down five points, but that's the most you want to be down because if you're down six, like Ethan was to her in the last match, all she has to do, no matter what you do, all she has to do is answer her two and her three, which Marisol is good enough that you're probably going to guess she's going to do that. So being down five, if Chance would have answered his five-point question, which was tough, she would have had to answer his, her five to win, which is at least what you want to do is push your opponent to the five. 100%. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's very, very specific leads that you often hear players talk about in match in the stream yard era, I guess you've heard me talk about it a lot in match when you're, when you're managing the points, because it's extremely important with what you do in a three rounder, whether it's multiple choice or, you know, the category that you're willing to take because of the lead that you need to keep or not keep. In fact, it's exactly what I did against page yeah. a couple of weeks ago with coming of age. It's, it's the idea that you can maintain a lead by getting a minimum number of points. So Gets to the final round, uh, Chance misses a five. That was admittedly a hard five. I think a lot of players would have missed that five. And, um, you know, it's like, it, it felt like she didn't even break a sweat, to be honest. And so now Marisol has won the title against Ethan Irwin, one of the hardest players to ever beat in a singles match. Chance, who, it's so weird to say this. 
but you still have to look at Chance as a singles player whose career is just kind of middling. It's bizarre by record, even at this point. It's this like is his best year. He's finally gotten some good wins. Uh, was it Brandon Meyer, Lon, JTE? Uh, and I think that is that it. Is that everybody? Uh, JTE was who, who, yeah, it was the number one contender. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, and Snyder. And Snyder. So, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a good four and one record for this year for singles. Oh, I mean, very good player. Like, I, I don't mean to take a shot at his actual ability. Yeah. I think I'm more saying, given what we all said about chance with this year and how good I think we all felt he was, you still look at his all-time record and it's just kind of a medium record. And even in the matches that he has played and won, I felt that his performances have been good, like kind of average, like Snyder self-destructed, but for all intents and purposes should have beaten him. There was no reason for Snyder to lose that match, except that he completely punted and missed his three and his five and a five that he should have gotten, you know, it, it, you, I think you watch the matches and you actually watch how they play out and it doesn't make you feel like he was a world beater. It makes you feel like he muscled his way into wins that he should be getting, but none more knockouts. But hey, know? I mean, the Ravens won with Trent Dilfer. Like you win how you win. That's the 100%. thing is that like it, sometimes your opponent's going to play bad and it's up to you not to play down to their level or just to scrape by. And, you know, it's, you know, maybe he met, every single one of his opponents on their worst day, but that still doesn't mean you're going to win. We've seen plenty of people lose when their opponents are playing bad, lose when their opponents get opponent's choice. And, you know, Oh my gosh, like what, like they get a steal, they, they get opponent's choice, but they still somehow come out on top and it happens. So I, I, I do agree before this year, that was obviously his weakest division. He's a two-time champ with corruption won the inner geekdom tournament over possibly the best inner geekdom player in history. Um, and, you know, came held his own against Chandra did played admirably in the title match. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely, I definitely would give chance a lot of credit. If you're asking me how good of a player do I think he is? I still say he's an excellent player. Um, yeah. I think I'm more, I'm talking about, I mean, exactly that. He just, he didn't knock people out. He didn't have, he didn't have his perfect match against yeah. a great player where you're like, wow, he just looked locked in. He was not going to lose yeah. that day. I understand what you mean. Like when, you know, we see him against Shazam where he just obliterates this right. down by nine and he puts the team on his back and single-handedly like takes them into overtime, basically. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, I'm yeah. even talking about the way he played against us. Chance is the only five by me, five by Dan, six by Mike, nine by chance in round one. That's the player yeah. I'm talking about. The yeah. guy that gets the guy that gets four more points than Dan Merle and myself in the same match. That's the player I'm talking about. So I just haven't seen that guy in singles play this year really hardly at all. It feels like I've seen a very above average, borderline great player eke wins out. And maybe yeah. he wins the title next year. But I for some reason thought that we were watching somebody who was, you know, maybe the best player in the whole league this year. Yeah. Um so Marisol gets it done. Obviously, you know, the interfaction thing. I do want to ask you. How do you feel about the one manager, two players thing? How do you feel about Shannon managing both of them? I think it would have been fun to see Mike manage chance, you know, like get the little interfaction thing. And then, you know, you have Mike versus Shannon. I think that would have been fun, but I'm, uh, it does kind of, it's tough because, and that's, I think that's where Christian, like it wants to move away a little bit from factions because like, on paper, Chance versus Marisol is great. But when they're yeah. in the same faction, it's like, eh, I mean, like, yeah, they're both competitive. Like, Chance and Marisol obviously want to win the belts. Like, they're not going to – they don't care about factions. Like, they want to win the faction title, but they've already locked up at least seven points. So, let's fight it out. But it's I like think for no the – Exactly. There's, there's no heat. It's like, you know, oh, um, it's like when colleges, you know, do the, the A team versus the B team, like, you know, in a, in a practice scrimmage before. It's like, yeah. 10,000 people in Alabama will show up against red versus uh, white versus crimson, but it's not going to equal anything. Right. Yeah. I think that that's, I think it's a fair way to put it. It's kind of the same opinion that I had. I don't love it. It feels like it takes some of the competitive stuff out of it. And that's, I get, that's, I get where Christian was coming from going into this season. You know, I've been pretty open about this and I know backstage is a show where we, some of the kayfabe stuff we play along with on this show because you have to. And some stuff, I think we try to be a little bit more, uh, real with. And one yeah. of the things that I've been very clear about on this show is Christian didn't love the idea of danger zone. He was not a big fan of me and Dan being a team this year. Um, he saw, he saw different ideas at the beginning of the season. And obviously 
it was put in our hands, all of us. That's what the whole idea of free agency was. So players were making their own decisions, but he wanted to have all of the top players at the time go to different factions where they'd be battling it out. He could set up rematches. And in a lot of ways, you know, he, if I had gone on to beat Ethan and play Dan, that was the only scenario in which Christian would have been okay with it. He told me at the beginning of the year, like, unless it works out exactly that way where you win a bunch of matches in a row and Dan's still champion, it just so happens. That's the only way I'm going to put a rematch together. Cause why would I put two people on the same team in the same faction against each other There's, yeah what are you selling at that point point? and i understand that's kind of what we just watched so i do think that the change next season will probably be a little bit better in that sense i think there'll be a little bit more storyline and drama um you know whether it's whether it's like real life bad blood or it's schmodown bad blood there's no doubt when i play against john roca people feel like they're watching something explosive and there's a reason yeah because we're not a team we're not on the same faction we both want to win we both believe things about ourselves as players. So whether it's bringing stuff outside the Schmodown or it's just in the Schmodown, people watching don't really know. And they don't really care. They just know what they feel while they watch it. And that's what the best matches are. So I think that that's probably where you struggle the most with the interfaction stuff. And maybe next year where it'll change a bit. I think so. And, you know, I've, I like the faction. And, you know, I like, you know, meeting with people in stream yards. And I feel like, you know, the league uh, knowledge-wise has greatly improved. Like, I think that if we had had all these players, but they were just kind of just kind of on their own doing their thing, I think we'd still have some good matches, but just like the level, like the fact that you're shocked that, that, cause he, he's like, oh yeah, I'll put scores and soundtracks on the wheel. Oh, I got six out of eight. Nice. That's, that's a good wheel slice. Now it's like, if you don't go perfect on a wheel slice, why'd you put it on there? You're wasting our time and yours. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> I got six, I got six against Paige. Yeah. And ultimately it's the reason I lost. <laughs> And that's the thing is that like, that's how perfect you have to be now. And it's because of these factions, because people are having study groups, study sessions, you know, that's why like we got Ross, you know, as much as I miss David dearly. And I want him to know that David, I miss you. I drafted you. I'm sorry, darling, but I'm so glad we got Ross because Ross was in there when Lacey couldn't be and was drilling Thomas and got him that belt helped get him that belt. And I know that's like, Ross is a big reason why we have a championship in the den. I'm looking at the stream that we have going right now on YouTube. And uh, I recognize I'm a pretty pale person, but I literally look like I'm dead. And you look <laughs> like you live in Miami. I like, <laughs> yeah, 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 dude, you look tan af, bro. And I uh, am, uh, dude, all you do is walk around New York, man. Like I do. I don't think I, I don't think I could ever live in New York city but I do love that you can just walk everywhere. I walked from Manhattan where my uh, hotel was all the way to, to the event on Saturday. Like it was yeah. great. Well, I guess it's uh, something I'll have to work on. Speaking of being half dead, uh, I know it's anybody who pays attention to what I do already knows this, but just because it's, uh, you know, it's probably worth noting. Two things happened in the last 24 hours for me. One of them is I put a new song out. It's called Happiness. I'm really proud of it. It's out. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. There's a lyric video right now on my YouTube uh, you guys can check that out, and I appreciate everybody who has said kind things about it. The second is I unfortunately am getting a second spine surgery next Thursday. It sucks. It's very painful. The recovery is pretty fast, but what it does mean is that I'm going to have to reschedule my tour. It's supposed to start on the 28th of this month. Ironically, that's the date of my surgery. <laughs> it's the universe just giving me a big finger. Uh so it'll be next summer, June and July. The full thing is rescheduled. All the same dates uh, in terms of cities will be on the on the docket. I may even try to convince Goddard to come with me a second time. We'll see if uh, see if I can convince him. And uh, everybody who has been supportive and, and and sent positive messages, I appreciate it. Anybody who wants to support, there's a GoFundMe to help pay for the enormous rescheduling costs, as well as obviously medical bills that are upcoming. So uh, thank you for all the support that has already been given. Anybody that wants to support, uh, I'll put the GoFundMe in the chat right now. And uh, I'll be okay. Fingers crossed. Recovery is pretty fast. I may miss like a week of this show, but otherwise uh, that's what's going on. That's the update in my life. Uh, if you guys still want to go to the tour, the tickets are available and I'll only be reading from this book. I'm just going to be standing <laughs> on a stage reading. Uh, pick a number, Ben, pick a number. Uh, 17. 17. Let's go to page 17. Here it's we gonna go. Be good. It's going to be good. All right. A taxi passenger tapped the driver on the shoulder to ask him a question. The driver screamed, lost control of the car, nearly hit a bus, drove up onto the sidewalk, and screeched to a halt just inches from a shop window. For a second, everything went quiet in the cab. 
Then the driver said, look, don't ever do that again. You scared the daylights out of me. The passenger apologized. I didn't realize that a little tap would scare you so much. Sorry, the driver replied. It's not really your fault. Today is my first day as a taxi driver. I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. <laughs> That's a bad one. That's a bad one. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and by bad, you mean good. Yes, um, exactly. So, guys, uh, I'll be buying all the venues from Ben, so come out and see me on tour. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, in the chat. I appreciate it. And uh, Dwayne is going to throw that GoFundMe into the chat in case anybody feels like supporting. Um, let's talk about the other match. Let's talk a little bit about Horowitz versus Newman. I think the thing to take away from this match, more than anything, Griffin Newman is a star. That guy, and we all knew this. Obviously, he's on television. He's in movies. Um, you know, all of that, uh, all that stuff. But, but the man is just a performer. I, I don't no, really know how else to describe it. Like, when he got the steal, when he automatically like answered the question, and then like, like, wait, we have to repeat it. You know, for the audio listeners, for the playback. And then uh, they ask the question, like, give me the multiple. Give me the multiple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Two points, please. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> He's just, and then him chugging the beer and burping right into the mic as Jen handed it to him. Like he just gets it. He like him, the fact that he had a Pixar jacket waiting for the slice on and, tap. I know. Yeah. I know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just like he was so prepared. It was, it was, yeah. it was pretty impressive. Uh, I thought it was really awesome. And you want guys like that. You want big personalities who are not afraid of the spotlight who are very good, who do the work. And that's exactly what we got out of him. You know, I mean, he, I felt like he did everything right. I mean, you know, Barbarian carrying him in uh, to, you know, him on stage, the jacket change, just, and he was dominant, you know? I mean, the thing that was a little surprising, and not that I think that it was a particularly easy round one, I thought it was a very hard round one, but the fact that he only got six in round one yeah. means that, and he got obviously his category in round two. He literally has a podcast about directors. So I feel like that's a pretty safe bet that, I doubt he even put it on the wheel, maybe, but it, it could have just been on the wheel because it's like a, one of those categories. But yeah. I felt the first three that he pulled were were pretty normal. And then Bob Clark on Porky's, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I get that. That's a that's a pretty good pull. I don't think there's a lot of people in this league that know who directed Porky's. Yeah. Uh, it's It was just so impressive. And, you know, you could tell that he knew exactly where to, and the, the thing about it is it's like, it's one thing for him to be knowledgeable. It's another thing to know your opponent. And he knew when Horowitz got opponent's choice, exactly where to go. And he went for the throat and it was over. And, you know, Josh is a great player and some people just have those blind spots. Um, but man, that was, it was such an impressive thing to see. I, I personally, just as a fan, I wanted a better match and, you know, but it was still a pleasure just to see him just like, just blossom in front of everybody. The man, uh, he, obviously he's like an actor, like he's been in like movies. So, yeah, you know, doing totally. this, <laughs> this showdown event, he's like, oh yeah, this is where, this is where I belong is like in front of an audience. And it was great. Yeah. I mean, for me, just watching him, I, I was just struck by like, you know, not every single person you throw in here is going to execute and perform well and either as a performer or as a trivia player. Um, but he does both. He's what the league wants. I even thought yeah. Horowitz did a good job in, in defeat. I thought like, yeah, he made pretty good light of, of, you know, obviously his losses and his misses. I didn't think he was a bad, like a bad sport about it. You know, he, I was shocked to see that somebody who covers new movies and whose entire career pretty much has taken place almost in the Pixar era. I mean, the first few years of Pixar, 95, 98, 99, and then 01. So by 2003, there's only, that's the fifth year, or the, that's the fifth Pixar movie, right? Yeah. So I feel like most of Horowitz's career has happened since 2003, maybe a little after that. But those movies have all come out in the time that he's been doing junkets and interviews. I don't know when he started exactly at MTV, but I just was shocked that he knew so little about Pixar. Those movies are huge. And They're all, huge movies. And none of them were plot questions. He had four actor questions, which was very surprising. Cause like that's a plot question, you know, like um, in my, in my con match, it was like uh, Sally uh, has two jobs in radiator Springs. One right. is running the cozy cone. What's the other one. That's a tough plot Pixar question. Cause you like, you don't think, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She is the lawyer. Right. Like, you know, he even had to use a repeat on it and that was con slice. Um, but for back to back to back to back voice actor questions, like 
granted, it might not be his strength, but he should he should know some of those. Um, a hundred percent. Yeah, I was I was pretty stunned that he did as badly as yeah. he did. What it really felt like to me though was watching old Schmodown. That's that's yeah. how it used to go. We used to actually watch that happen to players one out of every five or six matches, you'd see an opponent's choice situation, just tank somebody. And it just doesn't happen anymore. Everybody's so prepared for every narrow slice. It just feels like everybody's so prepared that you don't really watch people bomb, like really bomb. And uh, it, (laughs) this is going to sound bad because I like Horowitz and I actually don't think that him bombing is like a good thing, but it's kind of a good thing for the Schmodown when that happens. It Mm -hmm. reminds you that not everybody who is really good at some things is good at everything. You know, like, Every once in a while, when that happens, it makes the player who has the Pixar jacket and puts it on the wheel look really smart. And I think that Newman looking dominant and smart is more important than Horowitz having a bad match. Because yeah. that's what we're all going to remember more than we're going to remember Horowitz bombing. So what do you think of this upcoming match? You know, we saw her <laughs> tiny little page running across the stage. <laughs> uh, so we got Paige for Freddy versus Griffin Newman upcoming. Uh, what do you think of that matchup coming up? You know, if I underestimate Paige again <laughs> in my prediction here, I feel like it's going to come back and bite me and then the untouchables are going to beat us. So I feel like I need to give Paige credit because my first match in the team's tournament is this week and it's against Paige again. Um, look, I think Griffin Newman's really good. I haven't seen enough to know just how good he is. And I think Paige is pretty good. Again, I haven't seen quite enough to know just how good she is either. I think Age and profession are probably two things that I would put in Newman's favor slightly. I think he's a little older. And I mean, what he does with that podcast, I've listened to some of it. It's very in-depth. But then again, she could just listen to his podcast and she gets just about as much out of it. So um, look, it's anybody on any day. And I think if Paige beats Newman, it's a great story. I think if Newman beats Paige, it's probably what most people are expecting right now, given how good he is. There's more hype surrounding him as a player right now than there is surrounding her. But ask me again after Thursday and I'll tell you what I really think because I'm going to get to play against Paige one more time and see how actually how she plays. You know, look, if Paige shows up and she crushes, even if even if we're able to win, but Paige plays really well, maybe I'll think she has a really good shot against him. But I kind of feel like I just haven't seen enough tape yet to give her an edge. So I would put it in Newman's favor. What do you think? I think I'd go slightly in Newman's favor, but I think it's a lot closer than people wanted to want to admit. This is a very much improved player from her first match against Peggy. Um, but I mean, I think she went perfect against Rachel. Uh, she went dang near perfect against Jader and then, you know, had a sloppy match against you, but uh, answered the question that she needed to. Um, and when you say a sloppy match, the, the, the hilarious part about that is a sloppy match that had her miss a total of two questions, both yep. of which she rightfully had a good idea about the answer to. And if she had taken her time, might have gotten both right. She could have yep. gone 100% accuracy that day. Yeah, it's going to be a good match. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to be online because I think until Spectacular, we're done with live events or, you know, Cantina events uh, for now as what has been announced so far so i think it's going to be an even playing field uh i'm excited for that one i think it's going to be a great match and uh um i can't wait to see it yeah absolutely um so that's the that's the new york event uh what what would be your biggest takeaway after coming back from that i mean do you feel like the energy there was on par with anything you've ever seen with live events does it kind of give you a good sense about what's going on going forward i think christian wants marisol versus griffin newman now like i like we saw two, like, you know, Marisol became like a big name, you know, once she won the title, people were rooting for and everything, but you really saw the crowd truly get behind her. Like uh, it was so slanted, like, you know, people, people weren't booing chance or anything like that. They liked chance, but it was just like the blowing the doors off from Marisol. And then you saw what a performer Griffey Newman was outside the ring and then doubling down inside the ring. And so I think Christian would love a, a Newman versus uh, Marisol match because that that would split the audience because I think people love both those both those people and both their characters. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I'm with you on that one completely. I think it's uh, it's a place that he's probably leaning. On the other hand, do you think he would really be disappointed if it was Paige for Brady versus no. Marisol? I think if it was two women, both who have really had their rise to prominence this season, 
I think he'd be pretty thrilled about that. I mean, I'd I be think he would too. About that you know, I think, I think, I think as far as the singles tournament goes and what we've seen so far, you know, there's a lot of matches. There's a lot of matches that I know are currently airing. So I don't want to speak out of turn on anything, but there's a lot of great players in this tournament that are still playing. Um, and so, you know, there are players still playing that I think could set this thing up to be expected kind of normal level champions that come out of this tournament. And there's enough players left that it could be new blood. And I think we're still in a situation where either one could happen. So, and it's such a good position for the tournament player because it's going to, it's tough to root for against anybody that has gone four, what is it? Five matches to win the tournament. Uh, this one, yeah, because it's 32, yeah. So it, it'd be hard to root against someone that just won five in a row against the, the reigning champion. Like, yeah. So it is like a good position to where anybody that gets through is going to have a lot of people on their side. Being, oh, my gosh, they what they just ran like, you know, they haven't won all year. But, you know, Paige is coming out of nowhere. Janine's on the comeback tour. Uh, 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 well, like Brendan Meyer is finally going to get a singles title. Like there's literally so many stories out of whoever comes out five and oh in this tournament someone is going to do it and they're going to have a lot of momentum and a lot of people on their side yeah i would agree with you there i think um i think that almost any one of the players who comes out of this thing there's a few players left i think that we've seen in the fight before you know if we end up watching some sort of you know merle versus bibiani in the finals or something like that i I feel like everybody's gonna go like okay yeah (laughs) of course obviously uh, I don't think there'd be dissatisfaction because people love Dan and Bibbs, but I also think there's a lot of interest in some of the players that haven't made it before. And so we'll see how this whole thing ends up. As far as the team's tournament goes, we've actually gotten to watch all three of the first four other than uh, the Untouchables versus Danger Zone matches air, correct? We've seen the old guard versus press yes. room. We've now gotten to see Deception versus Chaos Theory. And we've now gotten to see final exam versus uh, King Arthur, correct? Those are the, those were the first three. Yes. A lot of high level play in the team division these days. A lot of points. Um, I have to say, I really prefer six questions in round two, I, both as a competitor and also as a spectator. I, I really, think, I think single should at least be like intergeek them and go to five. I think, yeah. I think it should go to five. There's actually discussion internally uh, because you know, there's this whole crew of us that all have been tasked to make recommendations for uh, the rule book and, and for format changes for next year. So it's a lot of the people involved in the first place. It's PJ Campbell and Frank and Bibbs, myself, uh, and all kind of suggesting things to be uh, run by Christian. And one of the things that we were all discussing was the possibility of unifying structure between all divisions. So every division goes to a 10-5-3 structure. So tw- 10 questions round one, like you have an energy team in Star Wars, mm-hmm. five, like you have an energy team in Star Wars for both teams and singles. So you shave one question off teams, you add one for singles, and then the two, three, and five in the final round. And I actually think of all the things that we have discussed, it's probably one of the things that I'm, I think I like that the most. As, as a viewer, as a spectator, it makes so much more sense. It, it doesn't really make any sense that there's a different number of questions per round, division to division. Like it's- yeah it's hard to even describe why that would be the case. It's just about the way these things were created when they were created. Um, no, I agree. I think, I think just balancing out the divisions and also like it, it makes it worth studying these particular directors and actors worth it. Like the fact that we study Pixar DreamWorks, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, like so many things like, Oh my gosh. And I'm going to put it on the wheel and this is what I'm going to put for the opponent. And this is what I'm doing all day. Cool. It's four questions. I got eight points. Oh, they got nine in round one. And then there's 10 possible in round three. It's like, totally. It's like it, you study the most for the least worthwhile round. Granted you could possibly get 16 points if someone really blows it, but that's not, that's never happened. Literally has never happened. So I, I don't know. I, I, I understand. I want it to go like I'd be down for 10, five and three again. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's like, it's easy to understand as a fan. And if you're explaining the game to anyone, you can just be like, yep, there's Intergeekdom, Star Wars, singles and teams. The structure is 10, five and three. They're all the same. That's how you play. That's how you get into it. If you go division to division, you'll completely understand the format. There's no reason it's any different. So we'll see. Uh, Obviously any suggestion has to be vetted and, and, you know, ultimately it comes down to Christian and Mark and what they want to do with it. And maybe they like how it's always been. You know, there is something to be said for history, but uh, it could be certainly an interesting change. Uh, so yeah, as far as the team's matches go though, you know, old guard, it was definitely, I think 
for me as an old friend of Mark Riley's, it was disappointing to see the outcome. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really wanted to, uh, you, you can confirm for me, right? All three of those have aired. Yes. They, okay. I know the old guard aired last week. Yes. It was a bit disappointing to watch. You know, I wanted to see uh, Duralde and Riley move on. Um, I always like to see Mark succeed and, but that's not the game we're playing these days. You know, I think they both looked a little shaky. They looked a little rusty. Uh, maybe priorities are elsewhere, which is completely understandable. Uh, so press room moves on, you know, that's the, that's, that's my side of the bracket. As far as uh, the winner of our upcoming match against the untouchables will go up against press room. And on the other side of things, you know, I think chalk pick, you'd all expect deception to be chaos theory. Chaos theory played well. They played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, it almost like like deception is an even scarier team now than I think we all thought they were three months ago, because now I feel like people are underestimating Adam Collins. People think of Adam right? Collins as a B player now. They think about him as an unpredictable B player, which is so crazy. Like that Adam Collins is a B player on a team is insane. I that that's the guy that you can be okay getting less points is mind blowing. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think we're a great team, but if deception wins the title, am I going to be shocked? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, so who does deception play next? Uh, they now play the winner of final of exam. Of and King Arthur. Okay. It's the other final, side of the bracket. So King so, Arthur versus deception. Now that's okay. Yeah, that's upcoming in round two. God, that's, that's tough. Uh, I think of you, match. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to favor deception just like, you know, with, you know, they have like, one former champion and one current champion on the, on the team, but I don't think it's going to be any easy match. I think that's going to be uh, pretty back and forth there and going to come down to the five for sure. Yep. I would agree with you completely. Uh, it feels like con to me is the wild card. He's the player that I have seen the least out of not in terms of quality. I just don't know that much about what he knows. Uh, there's not a podcast I can go reference. So he's the one that I think if Khan plays as well as anybody, or let's say if Khan's the best player that day, could happen. Um, then I think probably King Arthur takes that. I think yeah. if Khan plays down and, and he's just not that strong, I think Deception will walk out of that one. And uh, look, I think going into this tournament, I think Dan and I both said to each other, we're probably going to end up playing Deception in the finals of this thing. You know, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have to beat, we're going to have to beat two teams and then deception to get a title shot. And that's what we're prepared for. So obviously it's one match at a time. We have to get ready for this match against the untouchables first. And for me, you know, page for Betty is not even really the big question mark. It's Drew McQueenie. That's the question mark. I don't know mm-hmm. what to expect out of Drew McQueenie anymore. Uh, his singles match in the tournament was disappointing. It's a five point loss. You know, that's how it happens to many of us, but in his day, Drew McQueenie is one of the top two most terrifying teams players ever to play. And his accuracy in round two in every single category that he's ever gotten is just insane. Like, yeah, it's like always 12 points. He just doesn't miss. So it's a round one game these days. We've talked about this a lot. The, the puzzle structure now of round one is such that if you don't play really well in round one, um, you know, if you play average in round one, you'll play loose because those those like shutouts in round two don't happen very much anymore it's gonna be <coughs> you're right because like drew you know we all kind of thought like ethan was gonna get paired up with drew ends up pairing with liz shannon miller and now they're gonna play for a title against shazam so that obviously worked out and Paige is like this up-and-comer star on the suspects obviously so you pair him up with possibly the best teams player outside of just jeff snyder and i think this could work it could work, but they are going up against, you know, two, they're going up against, you know, the, the, the preseason favorites here, you know, everybody had you guys shoot in for a title. And so it's going to be a, it's a, it's a tough first matchup for a brand new team because yes, like most of the stuff in like, what is it? There's seven questions as a team with round two and, you know, the five pointer, and then there's a possible, what the, uh, 10 questions or 11 questions as individuals so it is still a bit more of an individual sport than team but you still especially over Streamyard, you have to get that timing down of like who talks when to talk oh i we need a signal to be like stop i know this answer i've got it trust me and you have to have that trust in your teammate to be like you know what we're not even going to discuss it i'm just going to let you answer this 
Yeah, and and you wonder how that communication goes. The thing you mentioned about a tough matchup for a new team, I I feel for them. You know, it's a it's also a bummer too when you're talking about a tournament with all of the stakes that we have for next year that we know things are getting kind of blown up and things are going to change because it means that any new team this year who plays in this tournament with their first match, it's the same thing with Duralde and Riley. It's like, will they ever play as a team again? I don't know. You know, I don't know if they'll ever play again. Anybody who loses in the first round of this tournament, if they're a brand new team, you just don't know how it's going to go. And so obviously we have the same situation in a sense that I don't know what's going to happen to danger zone. If we lose this one, but we've at least gotten to play five times. We have a pretty good sense of ourselves as a team. We know how good we are put in the time you got to think page and drew here are hoping to pull through at least one so they can get a little bit of rhythm going on and and uh you know who knows it's, it's again it's schmodown as anybody on any day so anyway i think those are going to wrap up most of our thoughts here today guys yep. i wanted to make sure we got a little bit of a recap show and chat with you guys about some upcoming matches thanks all for watching and tuning in be sure to hit that thumbs up button of course, watch all of the upcoming matches, uh, patreon.com slash schmodown. You'll be able yep. to get tickets to any pay-per-view upcoming. Pay-per-view this, up, uh, this week, we've got Rick the Rager Radis versus Mike Kalin. Uh, I mean, sorry, Rick the Rager Radis versus Frankie Alvarez and Mike Kalinowski versus Amaru, the Inner Geekdom Championship. That's the, our final cantina matches, I believe, that we taped. Yes, and uh, Radis and Alvarez, always great performers, lots of energy there. And then Kalinowski just continuing to continuing to hold serve in this division and see if he can if he can get another defense out of the way. So Amadou Moses could be in a position to be at spectacular here with that win. Uh, yeah. It'll be exciting to watch, so be sure to become a patron today. $10 level gets you a ticket to that, streaming live on Friday night. Otherwise, it'll air next week. Thank you guys so much for watching. If I can ask one last favor of anybody watching this show right now, if you guys wouldn't wouldn't mind doing me a quick favor, I did just put out a song yesterday. And if you guys could help get this thing moving and the YouTube algorithm, I'm going to put the link in the chat right now. Just go leave a comment on the song. It's free. It's a lyric video I put up. Uh, it's, the, it's the third release from this upcoming record I'm doing. And I've been putting my heart and soul into it, a lot of time into it. And if you guys wouldn't mind clicking on it, leaving a quick comment if you haven't already, I'm going to go through today and respond to all of them. And uh, that would be awesome. Would uh, go a long way, especially in the uh, the shitty time i'm going through right now uh it's unfortunate so yeah i would love love some positive vibes otherwise thanks for watching the show guys Dwayne, thank you so much for being here and if we're not back next week presumably the week after uh stay tuned for more updates yep uh bye guys peace When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.